ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय ओम नमो भगवते वासुदेवाय two requests before we begin work is going on for making govinda's restaurant if it's that work then we could stop it presumably so we can have a less disturbed lecture of course i might say some things that will disturb you but that's another kind of dis- <laughs> that's another kind of disturbance fools rascals nonsense animals just getting in practice eh? uh another thing is do these fans have speed controls if possible could these two be put slowly because i tend to lose my voice yesterday morning i wanted to turn the fan off in the temple room and in mayapur and brahmachari said they'd go away if it was turned off <laughs> That's what I was told. They couldn't tolerate without. So rather have the fan on and a full house rather than fan off and preaching to the four walls. Many of you are on the step all ready to join the temple is that right i was told that you're seriously preparing yourself for that step you want to be brahmacharis very good that will be uh, not only the most important and best decision that you made in your life but the most important and best decision that you made in many lives the most important and best decision that you ever made in any life <laughs> that's a fact that's a fact ah oh, going back to my own days uh yeah as you might expect i was raised in a christian tradition and uh i didn't like christianity very much when i became a little little able to think a little bit i thought there's so many so many things wrong with christianity i i didn't like that i mean i i don't even get into a diatribe against christianity i've done that on other occasions but the idea that god sends you to hell forever I don't understand there's something wrong with that. And therefore there should be what is called in English reincarnation. Anyway, um I don't want to get too much into my previous hellish existence before I landed in the association of devotees by Srila Prabhupada's mercy, but uh there was a book which I read is um about it was called the lives of the saints it used to be a famous work among catholics 
and gives many biographies of various saints. It's translated from Latin. Quite a lot of them are not very saintly at all. Actually, most of them, by Vedic standards. Most of them were meat-eaters. Um, but one, one point I remembered, one of the saints, it was said of him that he joined the monastery. It's like the ashram. And although most of the young monks or seminarians, they weren't very serious. They were there, they had some ulterior motive, maybe to get some education or just because their parents sent them. But this saint, whose name I can't remember, uh, he was from the very beginning very serious about being a monk. So I thought, if ever I get such an opportunity, which I didn't expect to get, because from what I'd seen, I didn't, I didn't see anyone, any path to God at that time. Uh, but I thought, if I ever get such an opportunity, I should be like that. So it is a very serious decision to dedicate one's life to Krishna. And really the only way to take it up is seriously. That doesn't mean that we're not happy. Certainly devotees are happy. But that happiness is not the frivolous, whimsical, mindless so-called happiness of materialistic people who are not happy. You have seen, no doubt, that materialistic people are not happy. Again, going back to my, that life before I came to Srila Prabhupada's Lotus Feet, which seems like to me now, it seems like a, a nightmare that I just can, I can remember previously. That I could see everyone all around me has enough of material necessities, all opportunities for sense gratification, and no one is happy. So I thought, why should I go down the same path? Why should I do what everyone else is doing when no one is happy doing it? So I had no idea what I wanted to do, but I knew what I, want, I, what I didn't want to do, and that was what everyone else is doing. So it is, it is a radical decision, no doubt. And one that... In many cases, others will discourage you from doing. Because people think that life is meant for living, enjoying. You're only here once. And people are very afraid of, most people are very afraid of uh, appearing different, 
or of being ridiculed by others. And so they think there's, there's something wrong if, you'd, if you spend your youth not pursuing sense gratification. Now is the time to enjoy. What a useless waste of your life that you studied so long, you got your qualification, and then you don't follow it through. When you have all opportunities to be a success. This word, how people, how they're cheating everyone with this word success. They call it a success if you, they give you some job and they squeeze the blood out of you and they call it, now you're a success. Actually, the educational system, it's, it does develop the intelligence to some extent, we can say. That people are trained to read and write, which doesn't necessarily make them more intelligent, because we see the, uh, many people who read and write, this, this, in Japan, for instance, where people are supposed to be highly educated, they're highly uh, recognized in the world for being a very capable people. Of course, due to the force of time, their bubble is bursting. Their nuclear power stations are bursting. Their prestige is, their economy is bursting. Their prestige is bursting. But generally the Japanese are considered very intelligent, very capable people. Never mind about the 20,000 suicides a month. But uh, if you go on the bullet, well, I happened to go on the bullet train once from Osaka to Tokyo. It's 300 kilometers an hour or something. You don't even feel it. It's so smooth. And everyone's reading comic books. Reading comic books means you're stupid. <laughs> right? It's just stupid, that's all. So, educated, stupid. No higher motive, no, no higher thoughts. Of course, they have very high buildings, and that's the main, uh, that's the most popular way to commit suicide. It's a very normal thing. It's a very normal thing in Japan, just to jump off the top of a building. So the education system, edu because the powers that be, they require technologists, who they often call scientists. They're not really scientists, they're technologists. There's a difference. Uh, engineers, doctors, salesmen, models, pretty models to sell all the silly things they make. So they require all these things. So they educate, give some education so you can think. But the education system also molds you into the way that you should think. That 
not only does it teach you how to apply or develop the intelligence and then apply it to various uh, for instance mathematical problems or marketing opportunity how to apply the intelligence but also the education sh system shapes the whole way of thinking so not only the educational system the the mass media the whole culture is shaped so that people think that we should work hard we should make money we should own our own apartment we should have a good car and in this way we shall be happy and that's the standard approach to life and if you want to do something different it's not generally not much appreciated and uh, they call it having opportunity we have to make opportunities for everyone so everyone should have education women should have the same opportunity opportunity what to sit in an office or a factory all day most of the people in the world especially in the especially in the industrialized world spend all their life working in something they don't like doing they don't like it that's why there's so many uh, jokes about monday morning monday morning jokes or uh a friend of mine at school he told me his his father was a successful something or other i don't know what uh marketing manager something like that but he used to go through three alarm clocks a week because he it was his regular practice to when the alarm clock went off in the morning to smash it to pieces or throw it out of the window so that was like a habit for him because he didn't want to get up in the morning and he was a success you know, making lots of money and company gave him a new car each year and all this kind of thing so most uh, most of the people spend most of their life doing things they don't want to do and but the status quo demands that we have to pretend that we're happy apparently uh, 70% of people in America seek psychiatric treatment throughout their life which means that maybe the the remaining 30% are sane at least 70% of the country is crazy and they're promoting this is the summit of civilization this is every all the countries in the world should be like America and if you don't agree we'll bomb you so you can get democracy and we'll also establish our oil companies there and McDonald's and everything else that you need to be happy so there's this whole heavy pressure coming on through the TV through the uh, educational system 
you should be like this, then you will be happy. And if you don't do this, then you're in maya. They don't say that. That's our, ter- <laughs> That's our terminology. There's, there's something seriously wrong with you. You're, you're being mis... Often they'll say you're being misled. People are misleading you. They're cheating you. You don't know what you see. You don't know what you're doing. You're just a young boy. You're being misled. So, uh, why should we take to Krishna consciousness? We, we should do so with intelligent understanding. This intelligence is not the kind of intelligence, intelligence that is uh, required or, or uh, desired in the modern educational system. The intelligence to think, what Am I doing with my life? What is the purpose? What is the meaning of life? Such questions, they're never even raised in the school. Did anyone in the school ever ask you, what is the meaning of life? What is the actual purpose? It's not, no one talks about it, but it's just presumed that you should work hard, you should make money, and you should be a success. And you should follow all the social rules, just like having no more than two children, hamdo hamare do. If you have more than two, you're anti-social. So very heavy pressure, I know, because some devotees in India have more than two children. They've told me that that uh, the, the doctors will be angry at them. You're, edu- you're an educated man, why are you having so many children? You should have lots of sex, that's also required. I know also, maybe as a sannyasi, I shouldn't be saying these things, but I'm told these things, it is relevant. That uh, one disciple of mine, he, his wife uh, took her for some checkup, and then the doctor, female doctor, understood from the checking that they're not, I mean, they're following the four regulated principles, which means. They don't have sex like cats and dogs. And, and this woman doctor was like la- just insulting them. You're a fool, this, that. And these are the educated people. Who, although they're educated and they're intelligent, they're way of thinking is completely dictated to them by the materialistic society and they're not intelligent enough to understand that they themselves have not formulated what are their own values, they've had them dictated to them. They've never thought actually what is the meaning of life, what is the purpose of life, just whatever's been fed to them from the beginning, they accept it and every... They think, well, everyone else goes along with that, so it must be right. They don't stop to see. Dukhalayamashashvatam. Just these two words from Bhagavad Gita describes the whole material world. You don't need to study history, anthropology, sociology. Just two words. Dukhalayamashashvatam. 
Everything about the material world is summarized in those two words. But they don't see. Pashanapi napashati. They see, everyone sees. But they don't see. But actually this world is miserable. You may say, well, you might think it's miserable, but I'm happy. But then again, Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says, Janma mrityu jaravyadhi dukkado shanudashana. We should see how this the nature of this material world is that there is birth, death, old age and disease. It is unavoidable. So you may say, I'm happy. But death is sure. Old age is sure. Disease is sure. Rebirth is sure. It's miserable. Who can deny it's miserable? And even if we think, well, I'm happy now, Ashashvatam. You can't stay in that position. So, the so-called intelligent of the people of this world are so foolish that they don't see what should be obvious to everyone because it's everywhere. Birth, death, old age and disease. And of course, another pers- perspective, adhyatmic, adibhautic, adhidaivik klesh. All various kinds of miseries. So the, in, the intelligence, although people are intelligent, but their spiritual intelligence or even their basic discriminatory analytic intelligence is completely closed off. So that although they're intelligent, their actual level of conscientiousness is no more than that of the animals. You might think that Srila Prabhupada was a bit extreme in calling people animals when you see people are, many people are intelligent, educated, sophisticated, cultured. And Srila Prabhupada would say, it's a cat and dog society. Just cats and dogs. Why was Srila Prabhupada so harsh? Well, it's just the fact that even though people may be educated, intelligent, cultured, and in so many ways uh, apparently superior to the cats and dogs, their uh, analytic intelligence is not developed any more than the cats and the dogs. And therefore, their interest is like that of the animals, ahara, nidra, bhaya, maitum, eating, sleeping, mating, and defending. They have no more goal than this. So that if someone very intelligently decides that uh, my life is meant for spiritual realization, which begins with sense control, and the so-called intelligent people will ridicule you. Why do you want to control your senses? Enjoy sense gratification. And the, the, how are they any better than an animal? Is the, the animal doesn't have any philosophy. 
And the human being doesn't have any philosophy if, he, if his only goal of life is sense gratification. Parabhavastavad abhuda jatam yavanna jignasata atmatatham. This uh, intelligence awakening, Shastra, Srimad Gita Bhagavatam, in there it is stated that as long as one does not inquire into the nature of reality, into the nature of the self, then one is always defeated in all one's endeavors. So-called success, every so-called success in this world is a failure. They have failed to utilize their human life, which is meant for applying the intelligence to ask the really important question. Who am I? Why am I suffering? What is going on? What, what's, who am I? What, what is reality and why? Why is everything in existence? I, why is it that I want to enjoy, but I suffer? So this is actual intelligence. And if we don't even consider these questions, then we're not intelligent, in the true sense of the term. And if we are antagonistic to even considering these questions, as I've just given a couple of examples, many highly educated and intelligent people, they're actually antagonistic to the very idea, to even the thought of spiritual advancement. Then they're not only not intelligent in the true sense of the term, but they are committedly anti-intelligent. Even to call foolish, that's one thing, but they're actually anti. They're, they're, they're against the awakening of actual intelligence. Many people may be religious, and they pray to God, or whatever their concept of God may be. They may not... Again, people don't think who is God. They just have some kind of blind faith. Their mother taught them to say, Hey Ram, or something like this. Or they saw some TV show about Sai Baba. Or someone came along and converted them into a Christian. And mostly people think that religion means it's just faith and don't, you know, it's don't think. And it may be true or may not be true, but if it's true, watch the harm. If you can get some free help along the way, watch the harm. So, uh, Krishna consciousness, or the, the teachings of Shastra, especially the... Uh, actually, not even all the teachings of Shastra, actually... Technically speaking, much of the much of the uh, shastra, as it's conventionally understood, it caters to unintelligence, unintelligent people, 
Vedavadarata Pravadanti Avipaschitaha. It caters to foolish people. But the Vedanta, Uttarmimamsa, that is meant for awakening spiritual intelligence or real intelligence from the platform of Brahma Jignasa, Atato Brahma Jignasa. Now we should inquire into the nature of ultimate reality, into the nature of spirit. Otherwise, the, uh, this intelligence which keeps us in a, in a ring, it's like we're enclosed in a, in a ring and we can't go outside of that. People are afraid. You'll see like this, intelligent people. But they're enclosed they, and they're afraid to go beyond. They, they become very... They, they, why do people become so much against if you say, I want to dedicate my life to spiritual cultivation, uh, I want to control my senses, no meat eating, no gambling, no illicit sex, no intoxication, rise early in the morning, chant Hare Krishna, not pursue a career as a journalist or an engineer or whatever. Why do people become so so much against. They, they may think that, well, you're spoiling your life, but they're not so, actually they're not so much concerned about you, but they're afraid. They're afraid of the impli- they're afraid of thinking that there could be something beyond what they're doing. Because if they think, if they start to think about these things, they don't, start to think because they they don't even allow themselves to start to think of the possibility that there could be spiritual platform of existence or they allow but yes that's for some rishis in the past or, or when you're older but they don't want it for their son or their friend or anyone like them in the modern society. That, okay, spiritual life, that may be. Some Baba will worship his picture, he died a hundred years ago. <clears throat> but that there can be. <clears throat> among us, people who reject, that's what you're doing, you should know that, by, be, by taking to this way of life, you are rejecting everything that the materialistic society stands for. You are rejecting their ideas. They're not clearly formulated ideas, but that are nevertheless very strongly and insistently inculcated in everyone. That human life is meant for sense gratification. So you are... Rejecting that, and that you can be intelligent, you just don't become a rambling fool. You can speak some philosophy and justify what you're doing, and that you're visibly happy far more than they or anyone else is. 
it's a threat to their whole way of existence and don't want to think about it. Because if they thought about it, then they would have to admit that they're not happy, they're full of anxiety, that they, for all their apparently being happy, they are afraid of death, they don't know what's happening on the other side, that their lifelong endeavors for sense gratification, although they pretend to themselves and to others that they're happy, they're not at all happy. People are afraid to look in the mirror and see what I actually am. But then when you take up Krishna consciousness, you are like a mirror to them, what they could have been or what they should be, and they become resistant. So, this Krishna consciousness is especially meant for intelligent people. But intelligence, we should not equate intelligence simply with university degrees, because the vast majority of university degree holders are stupid. In, yeah, I mean, everyone in the world is stupid. But uh, to, to have a developed education means to have enhanced stupidity. Sophisticated stupidity. Uh, and people actually feel themselves to be superior to others because they have a university degree and because they can uh, operate in the society in a, a more uh, complex way. Just like, for instance, an engineer, he, his activities within society are more complex than those of a rickshaw driver. But actually in terms of intelligence, understood from, in terms of considering what is the goal of life, uh, getting outside the box of the whole materialistic paradigm, the engineer and the rickshaw driver, they're the same. Their goal of life is the same. Their thoughts about the nature of the reality, of reality are the same. Zero. Or less, actually less, because when they, when they are confronted with that, they become resistant. Or they may say, yes, yes, very nice, Iskon, nice, this, that, went to Mayapur, we enjoyed the prasadam and this and that. But then when if you confront them with the philosophy that human life is meant for God realization, unless you take to Krishna consciousness, you're spoiling your life, then the resistance begins. So we can see that the 
the intelligence, the real intelligence, the intelligence that makes a human being and differentiates a human being from an animal, which is, what is that? Ahara nidra bhaya maitunam chasamanyam etat pashubhyanaranam Humans and animals both eat, sleep, mate and defend. So what's the difference between a human and an animal? Dharmohiteisham adhiko vishesham dharmenahina pashubhyanaranam Dharma. The possibility to execute dharma is what distinguishes a human from an animal. So... An animal, a human being is an animal, same propensities, but if he takes up dharma, then he's actually considered a human being. So if he doesn't take up dharma, then A plus B equals C. Human no, animal plus dharma equals human. So, human minus dharma equals animal. Simple arithmetic. You didn't need to go to school for 15 years just to learn that. So, actually, yeah, when we say Krishna consciousness is meant for intelligent people, it doesn't mean MSc, PhD exactly. But it means the intelligence by which we can consider the nature of reality. Now, people who are educated their intelligence is uh, developed in some way. So they can go more deeply into various issues. Someone who's trained in mathematics, their intelligence can function in a manner that they can, uh, if presented with various mathematical models of various mathematical problems, they know the techniques to try to solve them, try to solve the problem. Or a software developer, he has, there's some various basic templates and then he has some basic training and he has to agitate his intelligence to find out the best way to uh, create a desired software. Or in marketing, again, the intelligence, advertising, you have to... That requires some creative intelligence. There's no rote formula for that. So the intelligence has been... In been trained in such a way that it can go beyond the, the very basic human functions. The rickshaw driver 
He also has some intelligence. But it's not developed to the extent of those who are more educated. Although in another sense you can say their intelligence is on the same level because it doesn't go beyond eating, sleeping, mating and defending. But in another way, those who are more educated, that training is there, that the intelligence is more developed. But not in, not in a, a manner that can actually benefit them, but in a manner that they can operate in a more uh, complex manner within the materialistic society. Some thinking is required, more than that of the, those who, like that, drive a rickshaw, sell potatoes, or whatever. So the intelligence is more developed. So when that intelligence is applied in Krishna consciousness, then by the mercy of Krishna, then one can start to understand the philosophical uh, precepts of Krishna consciousness. When we say philosophical precepts, it's a bit different to when we discuss philosophy other than that of Krishna consciousness, because philosophy is generally understood to mean different people's thoughts and ideas, but the philosophy of Krishna consciousness means tattva-darshan, to see reality that is seen through the eye of Shastra, but that requires application of one's God's given intelligence. It's not a blind faith. We see that in uh, Christianity and in Islam and in much of modern Hinduism also, blind faith is required. It is considered a virtue to blindly believe what is stated. You should blindly, your guru, you just believe, that's all. And thinking is not considered very good. In fact, some Christians who believe that God created the world about 6,000 years ago, uh, when they're asked about, well, what about the dinosaur bones? then their answer to that is, well, God planted them there to test our faith. If you see that we we should still believe that God created the world 6,000 years ago, even though all evidence is against it. See? So it becomes absurd. But we don't find this in Uttara Mimamsa. Mimamsa means... uh, Study and ascertainment. So we find that in Bhagavad Gita, Krishna doesn't tell Arjuna, listen you damn fool, I'm God, just do what I say or shut up. He doesn't say that. He, well he does call Arjuna a fool, that's true, but then he explains to him 
explains to Arjuna why his way of thinking is foolish. Actually, if you examine what Arjuna said, in many ways it's right, but Krishna brought him to a higher platform of understanding. And Arjuna had doubts, and Krishna answered them. And Arjuna understood. Then he acted in Krishna consciousness. So, uh, people say, well, you're just brainwashed, you're being misled. We should be ready to answer them. Of course, it's often difficult because they themselves are brainwashed and misled. And they don't really want to think. But Krishna consciousness is meant for awakening our actual intelligence. Intelligence actually begins with the inquiry into the nature of the self. And what is the nature of the self is fully answered in Bhagavad Gita. And even more fully answered in Srimad Bhagavatam. Now that, that may sound like an impossibility. If it's fully answered in Bhagavad Gita, how can it be even more fully answered in Bhagavatam? Well, that's possible in spiritual reality. There's perfect and complete, and you can go further also. There's no uh, material boundary on how far you can go. This is the real success. However successful you are in the material world, there are boundaries and limitations. As Hiranyakashipu found out, as Ravana found out. What's your aim? What's your goal to be a successful engineer? Okay, there are already lacks of them. To be the Prime Minister of India is only one of them. But the Prime Minister of India will one day just... Uh, all will remain where they'll make a statue after he dies. And in course of time, that will be forgotten also. And when the Prime Minister of India, the present one, what to speak? How many of you have heard of this Chandrasekhar and Narasimha Rao? You've heard, but what does it mean to you? The moment they're out of office, everyone forgets them. So, their statue may be there. Their name may be in the history book for some time. But they have to go on to another place. Success in this life and next life, who knows what. Ajka Raja Kalka Kutta Hote. Aisa Hote. That's a fact. Can be. Can be. Prabhupada said that. But one of the Prime Ministers of India, he became a dog in his next life. He was a dog, I shouldn't say. Well, if you act like a dog in this life, you become a dog in the next life. This is reality. These are facts which people don't want to think about. They're blind, ostriches. They don't want to see the fact that they are living a life in such a way that they are creating their own... Not only are they suffering now, which they don't want to admit, but they are creating suffering 
for the future also. But there's this whole social pressure that you have to conform. This is happiness. If you don't, if you don't go along with this, you're stupid. And people are afraid to go out of that. It's it's like the emperor's new clothes. No one, want, everyone knows, everyone can see his no clothes. But there's this, uh, this cabalte. What's it called? This kind of atmosphere created, in which you all know that story, right? Emperor's new clothes. You're modern Indians. You get educated in all Western things. So, you all know story of the emperor's new clothes. Yeah? Yes, no, maybe? Yes, no. Okay, I'll tell it to you quickly. See if I can tell it in two minutes. So there was the emperor, and he was a fool. Somehow or other, (laughs) somehow or other, he was the emperor. It happens sometimes. Uh, And some weavers, who were more intelligent than him, understood that he was a fool. And uh, they came to him and said that, well, uh, we, c- we can make clothes which are so beautiful, but only intelligent people can see them. And they showed them. You see, look at this beautiful cloth. And everyone's saying, yeah, oh, yeah, it's very beautiful. No one could see anything because there wasn't anything there. <laughs> they were just cheating. So... Uh, they said, we'll, as you're the emperor, we'll make you the finest clothes. But they're made out of this very special material. No one can see it and, and are so intelligent. So everyone said, oh yes, it's very gorgeous. And so they made the clothes. They were paid a lot of money. They dressed the emperor uh, in his new clothes, which didn't exist. <laughs> and, so, and then, he, then they said, well, you should go out in public and let all the people see your wonderful new clothes. And so he went out in public, naked. Uh, in the chariot, so every, all the citizens came out to see him, but everyone was told, you can only see the clothes unless you're intelligent. And so everyone say, oh yes, wonderful clothes. Doesn't he look well? He was completely naked. And then a child called out, the emperor has no clothes. And he said, psh, 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 don't, don't say that. And the child said, no, he's got no clothes. And then he said, actually, he's got no clothes. <laughs> so it's like that. It's like, Everyone, they know, but they don't want to admit that they're suffering. Devotees pointed out. So it's a great challenge to be a devotee of Krishna, especially in the modern world. Srila Prabhupada's books are very challenging. They, 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 challenge everything that materialistic society stands for. Of course, Srila Prabhupada's books are translations of the ancient classics. It's not Prabhupada's own philosophy, but he's brought the points home and made them relevant to modern society, that people are spoiling their lives foolishly. And we need to communicate this to others. People should be Krishna conscious. They're spoiling their lives. That needs to be communicated. But to do so requires that oneself has to be fully convinced. 
So brahmachari, you want to be a brahmachari. Brahmachari is, traditionally brahmachari, his main duty is to study. He goes to the gurukul to study. And in the gurukul, he is, he resides there and vasan, danto, he lives, uh, he controls his senses, he is, a, he acts submissively in with great affection for the guru this is all stated in Bhagavatam but study study Prabhupada's books and try to understand how as Arjuna said to Krishna everything you say I accept as being factual as being reality now if Arjuna had said that I don't accept what you say as being correct. Still what Krishna says is correct. But Arjuna benefited by accepting what Krishna said. So your duty as a brahmachari is to study Srila Prabhupada's books very carefully and live according to them, act according to them, preach according to them, distribute them. As Srila Prabhupada said, we should make Srimad Bhagavatam our life. This is success, yeah, that point I wanted to make. Whatever success is there in the material world, there's a limit. You can maybe be prime minister. Not very likely. Your chances of being prime minister are going down at every moment as new babies are born. <laughs> now the population of India is how many? 120 crores. So you have one in 120 crores chance, approximately. So, 120 crore plus one. 120, of course, people are dying also, but in general, the, it's not that much chance you have of being prime minister. But even if you become prime minister, your level of success is limited. You, you, how far? You still won't be as influential as the uh, Secretary of State of the United States, who was in Calcutta yesterday, I think, was it? Hillary Clinton was here yesterday, was it, or the day before? So, hmm? on Monday, two days ago. So the Prime Minister of India is not as an important figure in the world as the Secretary of the State of the United States, who's subordinate to the President of the United States. So there are limits on how successful you could be, how much you can be a success, even if you become as rich as a Mithal or a Bila or a Tata or whatever. And still, they're all their success is limited by time. They won't take a single paisa with them. And there's always someone who's richer. Or even if you are, someone is the richest person in the world. But even then, he only owns uh, a relatively small fraction of the total wealth of the world. So, how, I mean, even if you become the greatest success in the world, still, you're a small figure. Who is the richest person in the world? Still Bill Gates, or is it the Sultan of Brunei? Or, hmm? Who? Say, 
Warren Buffett, he's the richest man in the world? Really? Okay, he's almost dead too. He's an old man now, right? So, uh, how successful can you be? There are limits to how much you can have. And even what you have, that won't bring you happiness. But in Krishna consciousness, there's no limit. There's no limit. You can just go on being more and more blissful. And devotees, they are in on a big secret, which the materialist, unfortunate materialists, they don't know. Which is that to be a servant of a servant of a servant of a servant of the grain of dust in a Vaishnava's foot is a far more exalted position than Warren Buffett or Bill Gates or the Sultan of Brunei or Tata Bila or whatever. It's a far more desirable position. But the non-devotees, they see only externally. They don't see what is the bliss of a Vaishnava. They see only externally. That, oh, young man, when he could have been a success, instead he's wearing this old-fashioned clothes and not utilizing his life properly. They only see externally. So go internal. Study the books. Understand. Apply ourselves very seriously. Chant carefully, attentively. Give our understand my life is meant for Krishna. I'm only meant for Krishna. This is reality. Don't have any doubts. Surrender. Surrender means you can only surrender to Krishna when we have full faith that by doing so our best interests will be served. That's why Arjuna in the beginning he wasn't willing to surrender to Krishna. Krishna convinced him. Then he was ready. Yes, now I will surrender. Then he was perfect. But still Arjuna retained his intelligence. He didn't become unintelligent. So Krishna conscious, that's all success. The actual opening and awakening of real intelligence and real happiness. There's no... Ha as long as... This, this little thing, if we can understand... As long as we're in trying to enjoy our senses, we can never be happy. The whole material world is running on the idea we'll be happy by enjoying our senses, doomed to failure. All the successes, they're all failures. Because they're all trying to be happy in a manner in which they cannot be happy. It's been tried again and again and again and again over millions and billions and trillions of years and yugas. And it's, absolute, it's a repeated experiment which has always failed. The attempt to be happy in this material world. But people are so foolish, they go on trying. So be intelligent. Be a success. Understand this is reality. Because the whole world will be against us. Everyone in the world, everything, every poster you see, every person you see, directly or indirectly, they're preaching, be happy without Krishna. And Prabhupada is telling us there is no happiness without Krishna. Surrender to Krishna. This is the only happiness. So we have to intelligently choose who we listen to, who we expose ourselves to. So be convinced that 
outside of Krishna and Krishna consciousness. Everything else is simply failure, useless. And go into that. Don't go back. Once a sadhu, no going back. That is my suggestion to you all. You made a very good decision. Now follow it through. Don't waver. Go through strongly, steadily. So many tests will be there. Guaranteed. Don't think that we're taking to Krishna consciousness and everything will be easy. No. Of course, Krishna consciousness is very nice, very blissful. But the bliss increases as we face the tests and go through them. There will be many difficulties, no doubt, in many ways. But with our commitment to Krishna, with our understanding that Krishna doesn't make it easy. He wants to test, to see if we are actually prepared to surrender to him. And then ultimately, Krishna gives us everything. He gives us himself. So, Hare Krishna. Any queries about this? Yeah, I knew you were going to say that. Now, what's the question? It's it's a formality that is said. It's nice to say it, but I have one question: like having studied for so many years in the material education, like so, I don't know. There is a sense of Whatever satisfaction you've got, whatever satisfaction or uh, sense of achievement we've got being an engineer, now uh, like there is an apprehension that giving that up and taking up uh, Brahmacharya Ashram, uh, can we actually achieve the state of bliss? Uh, what what if, the, if there's a failure? You 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 had a sense of satisfaction in studying, passing your exams and being an engineer. Uh, I, I never had that in this life, actually. <laughs> because I, I, I didn't like school at all, actually. I, I hated... I hated studies at school. It was only when I came to Christian Consciousness that I, I liked to study Prabhupada's books. Otherwise, like I said, the only satisfaction I got was getting the exams over, that was all. <laughs> and actually, even the, even the teachers said, and everyone knew, maybe the syllabus has changed nowadays, but even the teachers said that as soon as you finish the exam, you can forget everything. <laughs> because it has no relevance in your life whatsoever. 
once in sociology class, I said to the teacher, this is all nonsense. <laughs> and he agreed. He said, He was actually a very intelligent... He said some intelligent things, that teacher. He was the only person I can remember who said... Uh, he said to me once that... Uh, he, said, he said to me that, actually, sex, it's not such a big thing. He said, you get married, you get sex, and you, it's not such a wonderful thing like it's advertised to be. Pretty good for someone raised in a materialistic society. So, yeah, I never had that sense. Um... The, 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 what you study in engineering, does that actually help you to be an engineer? You have to be retrained when you come to the job, isn't it? Because whatever they teach you is all out of date and all that kind of thing. Recently, about two years... At school, I was taught in biology class that the, the cell... Talking about biological cells here, not battery cell. Well, um, it's very simple, and soon we'll be able to... Uh, make them in the laboratory. Now, after some time, I discovered that that they had discovered, the scientists had discovered, that uh, this was actually not... They'd done more research and they'd found out that uh, actually cells are extremely complex. And there's no question of duplicating them in the, in the laboratory. And that that discovery has given rise or that is one of the discoveries that has given rise to the whole uh, design creation by design intelligent design movement but it was only about two years ago that I found out that while they were teaching me at school that cells are very simple and we could soon be able to reproduce them in the, in the laboratory that the scientists already had made the discoveries that is not simple, but they were still teaching me that in the school, which is direct cheating, if we want to put it frankly. Now, uh, some years, this may be about 20 years ago, in Baroda, there was the All India Science Conference, something like that. During the about this time of year, when the, the, so they had scientists from all over India. So I was, they were staying in the hostels, and I was going. I went to the hostels with copies of Life Comes from Life, and other of Prabhupada's books. So I met one professor in the hostel, and I asked him what he did. He said, "I'm a professor in this and this line, and I go around the world and I present papers at conferences like this." Then he asked me what I was doing, and I said, well, we're presenting this book, and it shows that Darwin's theory was all nonsense. And he laughed, and he said, well, we already know that. <laughs> and then I asked him, so why are you still teaching it? And he said, well, we didn't come up with anything else to teach. <laughs> so I didn't answer your question yet. But maybe in d obliquely, I'm addressing it in saying in saying that well, that sense of sat the sense of satisfaction in doing something which is so uh, removed from 
reality and is actually all part of a of a whole society which is cheating us in the name of knowledge maybe it's good to realize that that sad, that sense of satisfaction you have is acting against your higher interest that if you feel satisfied in doing something material of course it's not gross sense gratification but it's sense gratification on the mental platform that maybe you should realize that uh, it's not so wonderful after all it's working again that sense of satisfaction is working against your understanding of reality <coughs> So try to understand that that whatever happiness we have achieved in this material world either gross or subtle the sense of satisfaction of having done a, having passed my exams the sense of satisfaction in having what were you doing as an engineer Build, building bridges or designing electrical systems or software engineer industrial engineering so whatever you're doing there there may be some sense of satisfaction there but it is insignificant compared to the satisfaction of surrendering to krishna and the satisfaction that we get kartaha miti manyate do you know this from bhagavad gita the sense of thinking i am doing rather we should feel regret that how i've wasted my life not serving krishna that's one way of answering your question probably radha shambhu would answer in a different way is it no could be tackled from different angles Ah then what else did you want to say you wanted to add something to that I mean on the other side contrary there is uh, uh, the apprehension that joining brahmacharya shambhu Oh right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. The the sense of satisfaction that we get from serving the mission of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and Srila Prabhupada is far greater than anything you can get from the sense of thinking I did it I achieved I'm I'm I passed my exam or I be, I completed some project the satisfaction of giving Srila Prabhupada's books to people well you have to experience it satisfaction is a subjective feeling right so uh what is that the the idea that I wasted I I I'm losing something is it that if if i oh i join the brahmacharya ashram and later i may go out again you don't get you join the brahmacharya ashram and you have the fear that you I might mean, join you, you're unable to like uh, develop your consciousness to whatever oh very convincing well it's probably better not to join unless you're at least 90% convinced that your life is going to be 
significantly better. Not only significantly better, but uh, dimen- it's, it's in a completely different dimension altogether. Paradigmatically different. It's, it's on a completely different level and better level. Unless you're convinced that one drop of Krishna consciousness is better than everything the whole world has to offer, then maybe you should take some more time. Or, even if you're 70% convinced, you can go in and then the very experience of Krishna consciousness should lift us and carry us through. Because actually, once you do live in the in the Brahmacharya Ashram, you live that life, and you are trying to do that, then the, it's a fact that Krishna consciousness works, and you should be able to experience that. If you have many doubts, then you're not ready to join. But if, if you're just a few doubts, then we can say, okay, just try it and see. But uh, I, I experience myself pretty much every morning uh, except sometimes I guess I'm in Maya more but almost every morning I feel that, that, that this, this is really what I want to do I want to be here in Mongolarti I, I don't want to be sleeping like all these people I, I want to have darshan of the deities be with the devotees these beautiful prayers we're offering this is, this is every morning practically I think that you know if I had the choice to be doing anything else, this is this I wouldn't be doing anything. This is what I this is where I need to be. That's my experience. And you can and that, that's the experience of everyone else is doing it. Otherwise, why should they do it? Here's a good one. Uh, often people ask me, How long have you been in this movement? And now it's thirty something years. Thirty seven years. So, uh, and then they often ask me, then, well, are you happy? And then I ask them, well, you see, we rise every morning early in the morning, at a time you couldn't imagine rising unless you have to get a... (laughs) Unless you have to catch a train at six o'clock, a long-distance train or something like that, six o'clock in the morning. But we do it every morning. And... Theoretically, I could get away with not doing it, being a senior member, but I do anyway. Um, we don't go to movies. We don't watch TV. We don't have sex. That's a very tough one for most people to think of. Uh, we don't drink uh, soft drinks, want to speak of alcohol, no pan, berry, cigarette, tea, no coffee. We don't have holidays. We don't pay. <laughs> and we're doing this voluntarily. Because we... So, we're, we're getting something. It's all voluntary. Why are we voluntarily doing that? What is the answer? That must be because we are getting... Se- Either we are brainwashed. Or we're doing it 
intelligently understanding or, or and experiencing how this is a much better life. We're happy. Another, sometimes I also ask when they ask, are you happy? I say, well, what do you think? Look at me, what do you think? <laughs> Devotees naturally look happy. So you should be at least 70%. If you're not 70-80% convinced, maybe better not to join. But if you're that much convinced, then come on and experience it. Mm. Yeah. All right. Of course. When I was in Vallabhidyanagar, uh, Maharaj was giving a wonderful class. In the middle of the class, Maharaj asked me to speak a few minutes there. So, and today, Maharaj spoke on a very important uh, topic, and I felt this topic was very relevant to the students here, those who are audience here. Many of them are from IIT Kadakpur and from NIT Jamshedpur. IIT Jamshedpur. IIT Kadakpur. And what's the other one in Jamshedpur? Uh, other one is NIT Jamshedpur, right? NIT. College students are here, and also local students from the local colleges. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, this question about uh, uh, deriving some taste from mundane subjects in the college mm. and living it and coming to Krishna consciousness. <clears throat> this was reminding me of a point which Danavir Maharaj had written in his book. He was selling. This brain gain book? Which book? Ah, yes. Brain gain. He says, his professor was teaching him in the college about ethical relativism and ethical absolutism. Two things. So the professor explained that, uh, for example, we have a policy that Americans should not kill their grandfathers and eat. This is ethical, uh, he said this, Ethical absolutism means this law is applicable everywhere. Mm. Nobody should kill their grandfather and eat them out. <laughs> and what about their grandmother? Means in America, people should not kill their grandfathers and eat. But if cannibals want to eat their grandfather elsewhere, that is all right. That is ethical relativism. Mm. And ethical absolutism means a law is applicable everywhere. That is ethical absolutism. And relativism means it's applicable in one place and not applicable in another place. So after the lecture was over, the devotee, Ranavit Maharaj, he went and asked the teacher, Sir, which one do you believe? You believe in ethical absolutism or ethical relativism? The teacher said, I believe in neither. I don't care. You, you pick up whichever you like to choose, he said. Which means, you know, Either your grand, you can cook your grandfather and eat up, or you cannot eat, it's up to you. So, he says that I felt like a stupid to be a student in the college, he says. The teachers like that who have no clarity of what they are teaching. Mm. He said, when I came to Prabhupada, who was giving a lecture in the temple, I saw Prabhupada had absolutely no ambiguity in his speech. Mm. He had such a clarity of vision, he says. So, for example, 
if you take the subject industrial engineering, it was one of my very favorite subjects also in my college days. But it always takes human beings as mere factors in an equation. It doesn't value the human beings as you know, parts and parcels of Krishna, God and how to treat them. Uh, so capturing the market and capturing the client, uh, there's a lot of cunningness that goes into organizational behavior, if you see. There's a lot, and this is not only to do with industrial engineering, any subject if you take, because the Jadavidya is a shadow, it is not the substance. Being shadow, it will always be faulty. Being, having that fault, because of that, uh, by keeping the living entities absorbed in that shadowy so-called knowledge, we are cheating them of the real platform of loving Krishna uh, genuinely, which is the natural propensity. And uh, unless we honestly know the Jadavidya has no substance to it, as Maharaj rightly said towards the end, one will not be able to dedicate one's uh, heart uh, fully to Krishna. We have had to convince just like one professor in, uh, uh, he is also in Pune and he also is abroad, on and off. He is researching on the topic of leech. leech. So he has done long leech, short leech, black leech, green leech, stout leech, and the ring leech. Like the last 30 to 40 years is researching on leech. And any professor in any part of the universe has a question on leech, they will call him. So, when you were selling, he has become leech conscious like we are Krishna conscious. <laughs> so, you feel, unless you are convinced that the material subjects are uh, studying dead matter, which has no substance to it, why the spiritual subject studies are living spiritual substance? So, I was observing today when Maharaj was speaking the lecture, he was talking about how uh, people are program, programmed like robots and to keep them themselves stuck on, or pinned down on a material platform, unwilling to lift their heads to see the beautiful spiritual knowledge or spiritual intelligence. They are not even willing to see because they have been uh, bombarded or brainwashed for last so many decades uh, ago. And uh, in Krishna consciousness, uh, by the uh, bold preaching of Srila Prabhupada, presenting the truth and Prabhupada's uh, followers following in his footsteps, you know, we are given a chance to lift up our head and see the sublime spiritual truth. And uh, as devotees, if you are not sufficiently convinced about it, it is likely that we are not absorbing our consciousness sufficiently in Prabhupada's writings. Because we don't have time. Many times students are busy with their assignments and submissions and computer programming and everything and they don't read Prabhupada's books sufficiently. But if one is in regular touch with spiritual knowledge, which is Sat, and one can very easily see the uselessness of Asat. Asat is like a shadow, Sat is like the real substance. Asat is like a smoke, Sat is like a fire. Asat is like a nail, Sat is like the flesh and bone, flesh in a body, you see. In a flesh, if you take up the blade and cut it, you will feel the pain. Whereas in the nail that you see, it has no substance to it. Similarly, Asat is like something which has no substance to it. And uh, we are studying in the colleges, schools and everything, as Maharaj rightly said, when he said it, I immediately remembered Hari Hari Vipale Janama Gavaino. I have wasted all these years uh, rotting in this material subjects of Jadavijaya, uh, which is simply study of dead matter. It has no substance to it. And Krishna consciousness, 
not only awaken awakens us to our identity it puts us in touch with krishna who is a rasa vigraha or akila rasamrita murti who is a ocean of bliss and we are coming in contact just like an elephant started to put your finger to get a shock similarly coming in touch with krishna means you are awakened to your spiritual eternal loving relationship and reciprocation from the supreme truth so once that knowledge is awakened then when we look back what is this this knowledge that this like difference between earth and sky huh? and and maharaj like resolveness uh, patrika swami or resolveness jayadev uh, swami maharaj you know once jayadev swami maharaj said i dropped out of the school you know he said mm-hmm. i didn't complete my studies because i didn't like the subjects once i took krishna consciousness in my hand he said it was so great and i threw away the college books and i and i just became a devotee <laughs> he said mm-hmm. it's like uh, it's like switching on the light and the room is dark mm-hmm. you know you are meddling with things and there are picking this picking that suddenly something puts on the light you really get to see what the truth is so becoming krishna conscious is like lighting the all the bulbs in the room thank you maharaj for such a wonderful class mm-hmm. and uh, you kept one uh, focus thing uh, about how um, people are submerged in ignorance and uh, they are unwilling to uh, raise their uh, intelligence mm-hmm. and consciousness and they are simply foolishly satisfied in animalistic platform Tamasima Jyotir Gamaya Hare Krishna Hare Krishna Hare Krishna There's something Probably we need just to do this That usually does the trick I didn't study engineering Okay, that's 8.30. We're supposed to finish at 8.30. Should we finish on time? We could go on all night discussing, but we could also rest on time, get up fresh in the morning. <laughs>